The season is officially underway. The Carolina Hurricanes have played a game. They have completed one full NHL game in the year of 2021, and that is exciting news. Uh, and they're one and zero. They're undefeated. They they have never lost, and uh, perhaps that will stay the same forever. We'll see. Uh, welcome to the Canes Country Podcast. My name's Brett Finger. I'm joined by Andrew Snicker and Ryan Henkel. Uh, will the Hurricanes go 56 and 0? They have not lost a regular season game since March 5th, 2020. So, I mean, the the odds would seem to be in their favor at this point. Yeah. Ryan? Good about the Canes going undefeated. You know, I've, I've, I haven't seen them losing regulation in nearly a year. It just seems like at this point it just won't ever happen. Yeah. Excluding the whole Boston series. I wasn't there. That doesn't, season. But that doesn't count because it's not the regular season. Well, and they also have not lost to a team that's not the Boston Bruins since, you know, that the last March. That's only one team out of 31, and they're not going to play the Boston Bruins in this regular season. Oh, my so. goodness. Oh, my goodness. You're making great points. Um, so, yeah, the Hurricanes, uh, we're recording at about 11.45 p.m. on Thursday. Uh, the, the Hurricanes beat the Red Wings about an hour and a half ago by a final score of three to nothing. Uh, they outshot the Red Wings, what was it, 45 to 14, something like that? I haven't pulled up. It's um, 43 to 14, yeah. 43 to 14. So a fairly large uh, victory in the, the shot category. So that's that's good. And a 3 nothing where it counts. Uh, Nino Niederreiter scored under four minutes into the game. And you're thinking, or I was thinking at that point, I was like, oh, we're going to get goals. We're going to get some exciting hockey. That's not what happened because that game was an absolute shit show of a, of a hockey game. It was a mess. It was it was pretty bad, and it was pretty much what you expect out of uh, the first game of a season where both teams had a 10-day training camp and there were no preseason games. Uh, but then uh, Ryan Dezingle scored on a deflection pretty late in the third period, and then Andre Svechnikov scored on the empty net from a very long ways away. And that that pretty much capped everything off. So, thoughts on an opening night victory for the Carolina Hurricanes, Andrew? Well, it was a victory. They did, in fact, win the game. But you're right. There is um, and Rod Brindamore did not mince words after this po- about this post game either. There's a lot of things he would like to see cleaned up. It, it's kind of funny because, like you mentioned, it was what you would have expected from two teams that haven't played. But at least from a Hurricane standpoint, like I thought they started well, I, especially after the Niederreiter goal kind of gave them a boost in the first period. I thought in the first period they mostly played well. They were physical. They had some really good chances, some really good stretches, hemming their Red Wings in. Um, and I thought they looked good. And it was kind of like they got sloppier as the game went along, almost like they kind of had a – burst of adrenaline that they were riding in the first period, both from getting to play again and from scoring that goal. But, you know, you mentioned the Niederreiter goal. I thought that was probably the biggest positive. I thought he looked great. I thought his line mates and Sebastian Ajo and Tavo Teravainen looked great. And I think, you know, for Rod Brindamore, it's kind of spread the wealth approach that he's taking right now with taking Andre Svechnikov off that top line. Nieder Niederreiter pretty much has to click with the fins and play close to the way that he played when he first came over at that 
and that trade a couple of years ago, and I thought he looked like that tonight. So that's probably the most positive thing for me going forward out of this game. Yeah, I just think all around it was, it was a little sloppy uh, defensively. You know, people weren't really on assignments. They weren't really clearing pucks. They weren't. There's a lot of times they got hemmed into their own zone. They couldn't, you know, get it past the blue line. And they just kind of were just late on kind of seemingly like easy transitions or whatnot. Passing was off. It was just nothing was really clicking. And it's, I feel like this is what you would expect from a preseason game, which this isn't, but kind of almost is because it's the very first game when they didn't get a preseason. But I mean, like, there's things to be happy about for Canes fans. You know, obviously you got a victory, two points. You know, it's always huge in a condensed schedule to get these early wins out of the way, especially against a team like the Red Wings, who are not a strong team and won't be a strong contending team. So these are must-win games, sort of say, for a team like Carolina that wants to compete at the very top of the league. But all in all, I think there's some good things to see. I think Tara Vian led the team in shots with seven shots and a 0.98 expected goals for percentage. And that's really good to see for Canes fans. Tara Vinen is... It's been one of those things. It's kind of almost a meme among the fan base that, you know, he'll have a breakaway or something, wide open net, and then he'll pass it behind him or something, find the open guy. He just passes up really good opportunities. And to see him shooting more, because he has such a good shot, it's really promising to see. And then seeing Dezinkle and Nino both get goals as players from last season that were disappointing and that had the most potential for a bounce back. Those are those are very positives to take away from this game. And the defense, we know the defense is a good defense. I think it'll just be a it'll it'll work its way out pretty soon. I think I think that's not a thing to really be worried about at this point. Well, you know, Tara Vinan did use the phrase uh, shooting some pucks when he was talking about things he wanted to work on <laughs> in uh, Sunday's media availability, and he was a man of his word tonight. They they did a really good job of of getting in shooting lanes and 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 preventing the Red Wings from, from getting shots on net. Um, obviously, they only got 14 shots on net, Detroit, so that's pretty obvious. But uh, I thought Brett Pesci and Brady Shea for their first game looked really good. I know Rod said after the game that uh, he looked, or Brett Pesci looked pretty darn good in his words for being for missing that much time. So that was promising to see, and I thought he paired well with with Brady Shea for the most part. And for for most of that game, Brady Shea was one of, if not the best defenseman for Carolina. Uh, he threw a big hit early. He was really engaged in the play. I thought he looked uh, better defensively than he did for most of uh, his his uh, little period of time with the Hurricanes at the end of last season so I thought that was good I thought Jacob Slavin looked really good there there were there were a number of of positives uh defensively and it'll be interesting to see uh a topic of discussion through camp and leading into the game was how does the middle six kind of pan out for the Hurricanes tonight they they went with Jordan Stahl with Natchez and Svechnikov and Trocheck with Fogel and Fast. I think we all kind of expected those centers to be f- swapped, uh, and we saw a bunch of different looks in camp. Um, any particular thoughts on how the middle six looked? Um, I think Andrei Svechnikov is a very good hockey player. 
and I think that he will have a, a very good season, and it was game one of 56. Andrei Svechnikov, you know, kudos <laughs> to him for the accuracy on the empty netter. Andrei Svechnikov was not good in this hockey game. He was an absolute, he was a train wreck in the defensive zone. He um, he whiffed on a couple chances in the offensive zone. This was not a banner night for, for the young man. That, that was, uh, that I tweeted earlier, I, I tweeted, uh, I have a take about this game. And it's gonna make people upset, so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say it. This is a night of celebration. It's opening night uh, on a season we weren't sure we were gonna get. There's no reason to complain. But my take was that Andre Svechnikov did not look good, um, and and we're laughing about this mainly because we know that it's it's the first game of a season, and it's just a funny thing. Uh, they they won, and it's all good. Uh, but yeah, Svechnikov had a rough rough go of it uh there were a number of pucks that uh he he did not handle well uh, a good number of turnovers in the offensive zone and around the offensive blue line um so not a banner night for obviously someone who whose expectations are sky high through the roof as high as anyone's on the team um but yeah he didn't he, he had a rough go of it Still on pace for 56 goals, though. But he's still on pace for 56 goals. And he hit, he scored from his own uh, zone at the top. Yeah, really. Um, He he scored from Thunder Bay, Ontario. It was very impressive. (laughs) Speaking of Thunder Bay, Ontario, can we talk about the very unfortunate night for Eric Stahl? I'm going very off topic here. Yeah. um, He had a very. If you thought if you if you thought Sveshnikov had a rough game, then let me tell you, uh, Eric Stahl did not have a very good debut game for Buffalo. He had a really unfortunate turnover in front of his own net that led to a big goal against, and uh, he got what pretty much looked like a cheap shot from Nick Dowd yeah. um, in a, in the neutral zone when Buffalo was playing Washington. Um, so yeah. It was a hundred percent unnecessary cheap hit. Dowd raises that shoulder into him. It's like one of those drive-by hits that the league's trying to do away with. It was just a bad, bad hit. Well, it's just, it, I mean, the hit doesn't even make contact with his body at all. It's just, I mean, it was just straight into its his head. I mean, that's like textbook. You cannot do that. And I would not be surprised if Nick Dowd gets a call from uh, the Department of Player Safety on that one. I mean, who already got suspended? Wasn't it? it was uh, Sammy Blaze. Sammy Blaze, yeah. Yeah. Um, on Devontae's. Yeah, so he already has a two-game suspension. Wouldn't surprise me if Dowd gets a suspension for that hit because that looked just as bad, if not worse, than than the uh, that other hit. Uh, and Jordan Saul got hit pretty good as well by uh, Sam Gagne tonight, and that led to a fight between Dougie Hamilton uh and sam gagne that was unexpected noted was... tough guy yeah if, if you had dougie hamilton with the hurricanes first fight in the season and you had dougie hamilton um fighting in the first game you're no i was gonna say congratulations but the real thing there is that you're lying because no you did not <laughs> yeah 
I mean, who who would have been your pick for the first fight? I mean, like we don't really see. I would go with the Zingle. He's just scrappy. McGinn, Martinuk. I feel like Martinuk McGinn. Like they're like they hit a lot, but they they don't really like to drop yeah. the gloves. I feel like the Zingle's the most scrappy one. But I feel like if you need somebody to, yeah. Well, I guess those that was who was on the ice. I mean, it's just funny because I mean, like kudos to Hamilton for sticking up for Stalin. He absolutely ragdolled Sam Gagne, who couldn't even really like reach him. But yeah. and Rod Brindamore, and I didn't want to say this too in the aftermath of the fight when everyone's all like, "Oh yeah, yeah, rah rah Hamilton, like this is awesome." Like Rod Brindamore kind of said this after the game too. Like you like to see guys stick up for his teammate. There is a very, very short list of people the Hurricanes probably want fighting, and Dougie Hamilton in on it. He's not. Um, yeah. From a logistical standpoint, you're losing your top defender and one of your offensive quarterbacks for five minutes versus a bottom-line winger from Detroit. It's well, and in a game you're winning by one goal. Well, potentially more than that. I mean, all it takes is a hit landing in the wrong spot, and he breaks a hand or something like that, and then... Oh, yeah, like, end of the day, like, I think fighting is just not great for the sport. Well, that was the thing... The risk of injury, but, you know. Well, that was kind of the thing Rod said, too, that was interesting. It wasn't even that he said, like, I don't want to see Dougie fighting. He just said, like, I don't want to see fighting. Nothing good can come out of that, like, which, I mean, he's... He is pretty much right. Yeah, and it's interesting because, you know, we all think of Rod as like an old-fashioned hockey guy, you know? I mean, he was in the league in the 90s. Um, and I think when when a guy like that becomes a head coach, you're you're kind of expecting, you know, some, you know, I mean, he's, he's Rod Brindamore. So obviously he's going to be all about physicality and all that. But he has a very modern approach to coaching. I mean, he he knows how to handle players. He's a father. He knows how to deal with these younger guys in the lineup. Um, so it's interesting that he it, it's it's kind of surprising. And yet, if you know, we 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 hear him talk all the time. And at this point, it's not really surprising to hear him have that opinion because he's very modern in his approach to the game and how he sees things. And um, obviously the hurricanes as as a organization are very modern in, in the way that they evaluate things. So yeah, that was interesting to hear as well. And I guess the, the most memorable fight of this, of Rod Brindamore's coaching tenure is the Svechnikov Ovechkin fight. So when, we all know how that ended. We all know how that ended. Uh, not well. The, no. the Justin Williams fight against the Rangers last year was pretty, Pretty good, pretty impactful. The first game of the bubble. Oh yeah, I didn't even remember that one. Yeah, I, I barely really, remember I don't that remember one. Who he fought? But Ryan Strom. Thank you. Uh, Mrazek, he saw fourteen shots, but I mean, he he was engaged the entire game. Uh, he was he was called upon a few times because it, Rod also said this in the post game. Uh, the shots and the score make you think it was very lopsided, but Detroit had a number of chances, and it was far from a perfect, perfect game for the Hurricanes when it comes to playing within their system. Then Detroit had had a few chances, and Morazic was there every time that they needed him. 
what's interesting is with with goalies and coming to the Hurricanes, and we've talked about this before. Uh, one night you'll you'll see fourteen shots. The next night you see thirty five shots. It's a very it's weird how um, how that plays out. And Morazic obviously is in his third year now with with this team, and he's pretty used to that. And he was he was there answering the bell every time tonight. Yeah, well, and I think he deserves a lot of credit for that because, especially too, when you look at a goalie who hasn't played in four months, when you're when you're only seeing that many shots and your team's you know controlling possession a lot, it's hard to stay dialed in and it's hard to stay sharp. And he did. I mean, I don't think I can recall a specific save that he made. Partly because I think you know, as we talked about, the defensemen, while they weren't doing a good job of getting pucks out and playing within the system, they were doing a good job of kind of shelling and protecting the net and blocking shots. The thing of the thing of it is he had to be because, you know, you look at the score and you're like, oh, the Hurricanes won three nothing. Well, the Hurricanes didn't score their second goal until there was under three minutes left. So Morazic really had no margin for error. He couldn't get caught napping and let in a softie or something like that. So no, I think, you know, kudos to him for staying engaged in what I think a lot of goalies would tell you is a difficult situation for a goalie to stay engaged in when you're seeing so few pucks like that. Yeah, there's a few. I think there was one in the first period. He fought off, like punched it out of the air. It was like a close one. I think most of the Red Wing shots actually, if you look at it, like their heat map, were in close right in like the paint. They were, there was yeah. another time uh, Shea actually tried to body up one of the Red Wings' new players, Matthias Brome, and he kind of fell over behind the net and he kind of like Brome came in close and just rang it off the crossbar right over yeah. his back. And there was a lot of real close calls in this game. And like the scoreboard then it always most reminded me of the Bill Peters Corsi Canes <laughs> shoot 40 goal, shoot 40 shots and lose a game where you give up only like 10 dark days. Yeah. Thank talk about not God. wanting to ruin the opening night celebration. Bring that up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But it didn't happen. The Canes came away with the victory. Morozik stood on his head for the shots he needed to save and came up big when they needed him. Yeah, and I saw piggybacking off of what you just said about the Corsi Canes of old uh, and still kind of current, let's not lie. There, there's still there's a bit of that still in this team, and that's just how it's always going to be. Um, there were I saw some tweets that were like, this is ending in a 2-1 loss that tying goal is coming. I feel it. And how many times have we seen that? That's, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, we're, I think we're beyond that point. I mean, they've made the playoffs in consecutive years. They, they are clearly a very, I mean, it's pretty actually surprising when you see, because pretty much everyone's picking them to pick or to finish second in the division, maybe third. Like it's especially of course the analytic, analytics community loves Carolina and they always have, but they're pretty sturdy with them as a, as a second place team in the central. And I can see them finishing second. I think I picked them to pick second. I think we all did actually. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I feel like we're beyond that. I think that that kind of went away for the most part after the first half of the 2018, 19 season. And since then, I don't think, they deserve that reputation anymore. No, it's kind of, you know, you go back to the saying of good teams find a way to win. And that was back before that 
you know, they kind of turned the corner in the 2018-19 season. It was like, you know, well, we did all the all, so many things right, just had a couple breaks go against us, whatever. You know, now they're not they're not letting those breaks go against them. They're making things happen. They're finding what you know, even like tonight when they don't have it. And I think Nino Niederreiter said this after the game that it does say a lot about this team that they were able to kind of dig in to quote uh, Trip Tracy, Tracy and yeah. <laughs> you know just kind of bear down and find a way to get it done on a night when they you know clearly were rusty and were sloppy and didn't have their game. There were there were some depressing press conferences early in the Brenda Moore regime that were because it was a lot of the take a breath we, 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 we take a breath we take we took a breath <laughs> we we're, we're not good enough to take a breath we have to be at our very best to beat teams oh and we we for five minutes we weren't at our very best it was just it was that it was the all same, it was the like, time it was like the same like every night it was like man we're doing all the things right <laughs> and we're so close and we're gonna get there but we just we take a breath we take a breath <laughs> God, i forgot about that Taking a breath, the Carolina Hurricane story of 2018. I mean, it was there were it was depressing for a lot of that. Um, speaking of depressing, I remember Andrew. I think we were both covering the game that Nino Niederreiter made his debut, and it was Star Wars night at PNC the Arena. And the they, awful Ottawa Senators. They, terrible Ottawa Senators. It was Nino's first game. I'll never forget this because. They lost four to one against a terrible Ottawa team. Terrible Ottawa team. So and the Hurricanes played so bad that it night. was a terrible game. And after the game, Rod Brindamore told us that he apologized to Nino Niederreiter, and he said, "He said he was like, I promise, that's not who we are. That's not our team. All that and." I remember that being just an astoundingly depressing night because, you know, the, the spirits were high after getting Nita Ryder, uh, ridding themselves of Victor Rask, and then that absolute egg of a game that that, that was. And Rod said that he apologized to Nino Nita Ryder. I, I could, I, I, that was very interesting. I never heard of a coach apologizing to a player that they just acquired. But I think that speaks to... Rob Rindamore. I think he's a unique, special kind of head coach. Well, you talk about that being – that was the other depressing thing that night because you talk about it being Star Wars night. That was yeah. the first year of the storm surge. So we're thinking like, oh, yeah, it's Ottawa. They're going to win. We're going to get to see whatever, like, cool Star Wars-themed storm surge they're going to break out here. And then no. <laughs> not at not all. That's not what happened. Not at all. Uh yeah. The Ottawa Senators executed Order 66, Order 66. in PNC Arena, and it was just, it was, it was all over. Yeah. Uh, I think I Ottawa mentioned... was a fully operational battle station. <laughs> For one night all season. That was the night that they were fully operational. And the Ottawa Senators, too. They're swiftly blown up. Yeah. And the Hurricanes on that night, they were Alderaan, and it was just very depressing. It really felt like millions of lives shouted out and then suddenly we're gone. <laughs> we're silenced, as Obi-Wan said in New Hope. We will always find a way to bring Star Wars into this podcast. Always. 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 Um, so anyway, 
moving back to a little bit happier discussions. Um, I think anything is happier than discussing that particular game. I actually have something to probably make Andrew a little happy. Right. You know who led the Hurricanes in shorthanded ice time tonight? Who? Hayden Flurry of two minutes Hayden and thirty six seconds. Yeah, Hayden, Hayden, Fleury. Hayden Flurry played a pretty good game. I thought um, he had that one. Um, he had three shots on goal, which a couple of them, you know, were good seeing eye shots from the point that Grice had to fight off. He had that one on the penalty kill that we thought was a block, but it turned out that the guy just missed. But like, yeah, if he had missed, yeah. Flurry would have been in. Chronic just shot that shot. I mean, he missed so bad, and it was a wide-open net. That was another one of those times where they were close. Detroit was close. Oh, also, Flurry also would have been hurting if he actually ended up blocking that shot. Flurry also had the third-highest expected goals for a percentage on the team. Wow. Makes sense. I mean, like, that adds up to me. I thought he had a good game. I um, I thought Jake Gardner had a good game as well. He did. He did. He had the, um... This, the point shot that Dezingle tipped in for the game winner. It's been 313 days since he has been held off the score sheet in a regular season game. Yeah, didn't he have the the la- that last regular season game, that Ajo goal that ended that? Wasn't it led that on like a cross-ice pass from Gardner? Or no, it was, on like a no, it was on a no-look pass on a five-on-three. Right. It was Jake, uh, Jake Patrick Mahomes Gardner. It was, it was, of course, for me as someone who is a defender of Jake Gardner, even when he's not defending anything or anyone on the ice. Um, <laughs> I remember he had that great game. I was like, yeah, I'm doing my victory lap about Jake Gardner. And then the season and the world ends. Yeah. Then like, you got to do your victory instantly. lap for a real long time. Yeah. I randomly tweeted throughout the, uh, many months of COVID, uh, just randomly, once every couple months saying it's been this many days that Jake Garner is averaging two points per game. Yeah. Brett's actually been counting every day. Those 30 or 313 days since Jake Garner been held off score sheet, but actually yeah. his, uh, his marks on his wall. It's like, it's like, like on, like it's a like prison. a prison. Exactly. It's, it's like a yeah. prisoner with, <laughs> with that. It's, uh, I watched rogue one recently and Jin Urso was doing that. Um, that's right. I felt like you relate with your markings. I'm sorry. So you could probably feel like you, you related with your markings on the wall for Jake Gardner. You're like, hey, yeah. look, it's it's me. That's why I like Rogue One so much. It's relatable. Um, it makes you think of every time you watch Rogue One, you think of Jake Gardner. I'm, yeah. I'll just say yeah. <laughs> Jake Gardner is Rogue One. <laughs> he's a Rogue One, all right. He's he's very rogue. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. Kane's <laughs> <laughs> Country Podcast After Dark. I think the physicality of the Hurricanes was another big thing. Yeah, especially early. Especially yeah. early. Yeah. 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 Shea had that huge hit on, I think it was Hronik, in the corner, like nearly caught him on the corner of the glass. That was, that was a big one. I think that shot the Red Wings 27-19 with the hits. Like, Faceoffs was another huge 
part. The, the Hurricanes dominated in the face-off circle. 60% of the face-offs, the Hurricanes won. Absolutely dominated on the face-off circle. Speaking of Bill Peters' first battle of every shift. Oh, no. Actually, of the first the first face-off, I think last time we were on the podcast, we all we were all putting down bets on who would take the opening face-off draw and win it. I think I said Aho, which was not correct. I believe one of you two was the stall. I want to say I was. It was stalled. it was Andrew. I would love to lie. I would love to lie and say um, that it was me, but it was not. Uh, There's was... no way that Brindamore wasn't starting Jordan Stall on the road. You know, you say when you say it, yeah. it makes perfect sense. But I mean, a week ago, I was willing to believe anything. I was naive. <laughs> I was willing to believe that. Vincent, Vincent Trocek. Trocek would take the opening draw. That's such the... a bad pick. That was such a terrible pick. I mean, I think it's a it's a fair. It was going to be one of Aho or Stall. Like it was, it was never not going like, to be one of Aho or Stall. Like you're you're going for one of two things with that, and if you're not going for Stall, then the thing you're going for with Stall, then you're going with Aho. Yeah. And I mean, in fairness to me, I picked last, and I didn't want to pick the same one as you. So yeah, makes sense. While we're talking about unexpected centers, I'm just scrolling through Twitter. Victor Rask to make it a three-two game. They're wildly down three, two to the Kings. Victor Rask from Kirill Kaprizov. Oh, unexpected. Rask one, Nino Niederreiter one. Yeah, (laughs) we've talked about Victor Rask a little too much tonight. I'm realizing. (laughs) Victor Rask, Bill Peters. Jake Gardner being a rogue one. He is a rogue one. That was a good. That was a good. But like, it, fit, like it fits if you think about it. Like no, like, no, you're totally right. No, that's no. a good way to describe Jake Gardner in the defensive zone. Saturday predictions. Do you think the Canes will open up the floodgates on Saturday, or do you think it'll be another, you know, close one where they're really egging trying to get another goal? No, I, th- I could see the Hurricanes coming out and winning like five to two or something like that on Saturday. Because I think Brindamore was not happy after this game, and I think there are things that will be addressed and corrected going into that game. Yeah, and I think that's part of this team uh, developing and growing. Um, and I like the way that, that Rod uh, approached the game tonight after the game when he was talking to the media. He the expectations are rising for this team. So a win like this is good. And I think obviously everyone's happy with seeing them win three, nothing, but I think they have the mindset that they are, they need to be better than that. Um, Jacob Slavin said that, you know, we weren't that great. Neo Nero said we weren't that great. Uh, There isn't a lot of content um with with that with that game and there really sh- there shouldn't be uh because there's a lot that needs to be fixed and obviously it's game 1 and there wasn't a preseason but uh yeah i i think that i think carolina will probably come out with a little bit more i would expect them to to win pretty favorably um because i think that's what they expect out of themselves and you know, that's with being a good team, That that's what happens. You hear it here first. Stahl's going to take the opening faceoff draw, win it, and big goal Brock with the first goal of the game. 
that would require some pretty dramatic uh, line changes. But are you, you're not, you're not talking about those things on, like Brock McGinn on the opening shift. No, 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 on the opening shift. Just I'm eventually, saying, he's going to get the first goal of the game. Big goal, Brock. Okay. I'll Big say, Brock. I'll say that um, that Trocheck will take the opening faceoff. And that just keep saying it till it comes true. And that Tavo Teravainen will score the first goal of the game, and it will be shorthanded, and it will be after a penalty on Dougie Hamilton. <laughs> Teravainen's actually going to be passing it across to Aho, and it will go off the skate it blade. Be, the goal will be a total accident. It will not be on purpose. <laughs> he will look very disappointed after scoring the goal. <laughs> but he doesn't get Andrew, do you have a prediction? I will predict that Andrei Svechnikov will score win the first two goals. Off. Oh, wow. He's Andrei Svechnikov will not win the first faceoff. Sebastian <laughs> Ajo will win the first faceoff if we're going to do it this way again. But Andrei Svechnikov will score two goals. Neither of them will be a Villa cross variety. But Shame. at least one of them will be on the power play. We've given him a lot of bulletin board material tonight, you know. Big listener of the yeah. podcast. Yeah. If Spetsnikov yeah. listens to this podcast tomorrow, he should have the game of his life on Saturday. Thank you for listening. Uh, this was fun. Uh, this was a very uh, relaxed, casual post-game podcast. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. Um, and please, uh, if you did enjoy it, follow and subscribe to the Canes Country Podcast uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, review, rate, uh, we would very much appreciate that. Uh, where can the good people who listen follow you on Twitter and only Twitter, Andrew? At A-S-C-H-N-I-T-T-5-3. Ryan. At R-Y-A-N-H-E-N-K-E-L underscore. You can follow me at Brett Finger on Twitter. You can follow Canes Country at Canes Country. Uh, follow Canes Country on Instagram at Canes Country Picks, P-I-X. Um, Katie has been producing some very, very good uh, content, and uh, it's very much worth a follow on Instagram. Uh, read the site. All right, 1-0. We'll see. We'll see if they're still on track for 56-0 when we talk next week. Thank you for listening. Enjoy all the hockey. Goodbye.